Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I really liked what I did on yesterday's live show, so I'm actually going to do it as part of the recorded pod today, which is the first questions, I haven't decided how many, that went into the chat room get answered at the beginning of the show instead of the end. It's an impetus to get everybody, if you're listening on the recorded side, to come on over, hang out with us on YouTube, youtube.com slash sportsethos. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, see if we can light a fire under you to get your question into the chat room at the beginning of the pod. We're going to hit those right now. But first, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today Live, Friday edition. It's Fun Shirt Friday. I am Dan Bespris. I am wearing a fun shirt. He is Aaron Bruski, and I don't know if he's wearing a fun shirt. Brew, what did we decide? Are you actually even wearing clothing at all right now? No, fully naked. All right, well, that's fun. <laughs> at least. <laughs> is that fun enough for you guys? Yeah, I mean, that falls, that falls under the umbrella of fun. Just fun Friday. Funky fun Friday, I guess. So, Brew, are you ready? Are you ready to do questions right at the top of this thing? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's, uh, let me see. Where can I? Here we go. John asks, would you trade PJ Washington for Wendell Carter Jr. in a points format? Feel free to answer in whatever format you like, but let's see if we can scoop points under the, uh, under the answer on this one. What are your thoughts there? Man, I feel like you're you're kind of just playing the injury game with these two. Um, I think I'd probably go PJ Washington. He's had a good a lot of a good amount of pop this year. Both teams definitely in the tank race. I uh, I, I kind of feel like it's PJ's year. I, I like Wendell better as a player. Orlando has a lot they need to accomplish uh, with their five bigs that they have right now. One of which is brother of their star player. And also a team enforcer. So that, that, that actually, they do have five bigs they're trying to play right now. So uh, give me PJ Washington. All right. I can roll with that. Uh, question number two here at the front end. I, again, haven't decided how many we're going to do before we actually hit the, the today's rundown on the show. It's a Friday show. We do a little bit of a weekend review. I've picked out some of the uh, hottest topics that I want to go over with the big dog. Um by the way, you can follow us on Twitter. I forgot to do that at the outset. I am at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. He is at Aaron Bruski, A-A-R-O-N-B-R-U-S-K-I. Should I drop Jakob Pertl for Daniel Gafford? This is a 10-teamer, so that, of course, makes this a little bit more of a difficult thing because in 12-teamers, they're both plays right now, but... How do you see these two guys developing over the next couple of weeks? It does feel like there's a trade deadline element on one and a Kristaps Porzingis element on the other. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, setting the table quite nicely there. Um, I, I would say this GM is probably already in a punt strategy. I mean, that seems like a almost given. So um, it doesn't matter that Pirtle doesn't make free throws. I'm guessing. I mean, maybe I'm wrong there. Um, and if that's the case, his value is sky high, just sort of in general, if, if you're in a punt free throw build with him. Um, Gafford, you know, big, big Gafford fan um, from previous years, but last year, him dragging his knee up and down the floor, you know, I don't think he's ever, ever as a player coming back from that. Um, he's only going to get heavier and slower and put more weight on those joints. And so that injury is coming soon-ish. Um if he ever gets a full ramp 
full run with Kristaps Porzingis out. And then what can he do? You know, if he does get a full ramp, I think they'll probably still keep him in the 24 minute range. If he gets cut loose, maybe, maybe he climbs up the ladder a little bit after that, but, but really 24 minutes of Gafford's probably in a nine cat league, something like top 80 value top 70. And I think Pirtle might get you something close, even with the free throws. If he doesn't get totally demolished by the trade deadline, got to think a team acquiring him is going to be acquiring him with the purpose of playing him. So 26 minutes, 28 minutes for Pirtle. Who knows what that looks like? You know, he gets a, a lot of uh, touches and usage that he might not get in other places, but his game, I think, is just going to travel with him wherever he goes. So I'll go Pirtle here. We get a number of 10 team questions here at the front end. Next question to start the show. Would you trade Giannis and Brunson for Tatum and John Collins? This is a 10 teamer, but I don't think it really matters uh, league size when you've got a number of guys that are all kind of inside that cut line anyway. This one to me, doesn't this feel like a punt? Like if you're not punting free throws, then this becomes a, or if you are punting free throws, it becomes a, uh, what am I trying to say here? Whether or not you're punting, it answers the question. The interesting thing about Giannis is it's also, he's a two category punt guy. Now he's averaging four turnovers per game. Mm. So I'm, I've just kind of been curious what the guys that play a lot of head to head, how has that been going for them? Obviously it comes at a big price tag in most fantasy leagues. Somebody's drafting him in the first round, kind of almost anywhere, even in Roto leagues, it happens. It's, it's a name thing. Um, so how's that gone for them has just been a question banging around in my head on that front. Um, Tatum is rock solid though. That wrist injury is uh, going to show up at some point, you know, he's playing through that and I think he'll continue to play through that. I, I'm, I think if there was any long-term risk there, they would be pulling him off the, the court. Um, then you get Collins and we sort of know what he is in a lower usage situation. If he gets traded and, I just don't even know with that guy anymore. Like, I think everybody's had a shot at acquiring him with like, I think he fits like a team like the Kings, but I don't even think they would be interested. So um, he might just stay in Atlanta. And then if he does go somewhere, I kind of have to just assume he would produce similarly. It's not like Atlanta's blowing him out of the water with usage or really leveraging what he does well. So Tatum Collins first rounder, Fourth rounder question mark for John Collins. Giannis, he, I think his rank in nine cat leagues was like 140 or something, you know, mm. based on those two categories being so onerous for him. Yeah. Brunson, rock solid, top 50 guy. I'd be on the Tatum and Collins side of this deal, unless you've got a magic, you know, two category punt strategy that's just totally working for you. Then I might actually flip that around because, you know, I, I think Giannis in that format probably jumps up to being a first rounder and Brunson in that format, probably, you know, it's very similar, but um, you don't have to worry about the call side of the equation at that point. Yeah. And Tatum falls down as well. He's hitting almost whatever it is, 87% of his free throws, nine sure. attempts per yeah. ball game. So you, you get that flip. You know, the thing that, that really surprised me, Brew, talking a little bit more about Giannis while we're on this trade. Cause I, I don't know. He's I haven't covered him all that much on the pod this year, mostly just because it's been such a strange season for him. And, and I don't typically punt free throws in pretty much any league that I'm in. Um, but someone hit me with a question on a previous show that was, 
would you go Giannis or LeBron? And I was looking at it like, well, like the my heart was saying immediately, well, if you're punting, you go Giannis. If you're not, you go LeBron. Right now, if you're punting free throws, LeBron is still ahead of Giannis because he's also not a terrific free throw. Obviously, a lot better than Giannis has been this year. Uh, but LeBron, 77%. He moves up a little bit, and he stays in front. Like, it, it just boggles the mind how crazy it's been. It's the worst free-throw shooting impact year we've seen in, in basketball or fantasy basketball in almost two decades. Who the hell's... Andy, I'm like, Andy, you hit 20... What was it in the finals? It was like 23 of 25 or something. I forget what he hit in the final game. Like... I don't the, remember either. You, know, you kind of thought he turned a corner. You know, the theory is like the crowd counting might have helped calm the mind or something. And <laughs> but here we are. And he's just, you know, and, and I would like to see him underhand it. And, and any player that's struggling or like props to Jeremy Sochin, you know, for getting out there and trying something new. Mason Plumley shooting around 70% right now. Yeah, left after last season shooting 38%. You know, it's it's I think and it's the easiest PR win too. It's like, if you try that, people are like, yeah, good job. You know, you, 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 you addressed your issue, you know, and so on and so forth. So what's everybody's beef with trying something goofy at the free throw line? Is it, is it, is it, is it like a manliness home improvement, Tim Allen caricature kind of thing? The the basketball courts are are not for the faint of heart. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Pat Beverly is going to talk to you regardless of how you're shooting a free throw. Just well, like, I think that's what what's great about Sochin is is he's sort of coming to the league and and he's gotten the respect from guys like Marcus Morris and Markeith Morris, you know, for being a total you know just gangster on the floor. Like he's like, I'll mess with anybody. And so, so then the when same, you do something weird at the free throw line, then you get a pass. Yeah, he just doesn't care. It's right. it's great, I think. And I also think he's going to be a very good NBA player. I just don't know if he's going to ever get the green light to go for those steals. Yeah, Which, the fantasy side. I, he wasn't on my board of guys to talk about, but we can talk about Sohan if you want. Um, would you look at him in a keeper or dynasty format? I'm sure. going to take this question I think look, Steals and blocks are pretty fickle. Um, I mean, some things stay the same, but schemes and personnel surrounding the player matter so much, and it's really wonky, and you really got to know what you're doing when you're looking at that stuff. Um, I mean... Players that are told to stay home, you know, and and not go get blocks because they're going to lose their playing time or they've just been chasing bad blocks. I mean, there's a player, I don't even know if we want to mention the name, but like if you're sort of just out there flying around, crashing into people, getting blocks, it's not necessarily great defense, you know, and if you're getting steals a lot, it's not necessarily great defense that plays out across the landscape all the time. So Sojin gets to, you know, a location where he can start to gamble a little bit and it makes sense for scheme. He's got the physical profile and even the kind of mind for defense that I think he would just go bonkers. He would be like a two plus steel guy, which would then translate. So yeah, I'd be interested in having Sochin on my dynasty squad. It reminds me the stuff you were talking about there reminds me of like the first or second year Mitchell Robinson, where he was just on yeah. skates blocking like four shots. Sometimes he had a 10 block game That's in there. I was just thinking about actually. Yeah. And then they taught him how to get in the right spot. The team's defense got way better, but his blocks also suffered such as the, such as the growth of the NBA, which all, by the way, makes what JJJ and, and Miles Turner and Brooke Lopez and guys like, it makes what they're oh. doing actually even more impressive that they're 
correct position defense and getting two and a half, three blocks per ball game. We're, we've got a the, handful the, of guys doing that this year. The big man defensive discussion in the NBA is one of the most fascinating ones when it comes to like the razor thin edge of a player being good or bad. Like Mitchell Robinson did the flying around, getting the blocks thing, and then they reeled him in. And then they were like, and it could have even been that like the coach, the old school coach feels like the lesson was learned. And he's like, all right, I calmed you down a little bit. Now I'm going to say, go out there and just get those blocks. The same exact stuff, maybe about a third smarter, two thirds smarter. <laughs> right. You know, but now, yeah. okay, you learned your lesson and now we're going to let you go do you. And then you also, you're talking about the JJJs and the Brooke Lopez, Lopez's and, and all of that. Like to defend either the pick and roll or out on the perimeter, you have to be so good in this league. You have to be so athletic and you know, shouts to Brooke Lopez because he's probably not the most athletic, but he puts it all together in a way that he's there when he needs to be there and it's effective and it's, you know, it's good defense. Oh, I left Nick Claxton off my list. I didn't mean to slight him. He's also oh. been very good in that department this year. It's, it's just fun to watch, but like you're, you see guys at uh, one, one case in points like Rashawn Holmes in Sacramento and, and I feel like we handled this trajectory really well when, when it was clear he was about to start to fall off. We told everybody is in, also in Sacramento, hey, you need to trade this guy while he's on his decline. He's at the top of his peak. He's declining now because the lateral quickness and strength needed to handle just the, the pick and roll accounts for probably half of play types at minimum in every NBA game. And as a big, you're talking about the most talented position in the NBA, the point guard or guard or ball handler position, if we just want to boil it down to that. Them coming around a screen and you having to either come to the level and defend or play back in space, whatever it's going to be, you need to be so quick, so strong, and also have instincts. And if you start not being able to check one box, you're no longer anywhere near as valuable as you previously were. If you can't check any of the boxes, you're going to get targeted relentlessly every game where the team cares. That is a lot of teams don't care, but if you're in a playoff series, if you're, you know, if the teams care, that player will be put into action every single time. And every single offensive player on that team will benefit because everything's wide open. And that's why you see this discussion about offensive versus defensive players in the NBA become so prevalent, especially around playoff time. All right, I'm going to officially segue us from, because that was technically still part of the Q&A, front-end Q&A. We will have a post-show question and answer segment, or maybe I'll, maybe I'll include it in the show. We used to do that on Fridays. I think I left that in the, the recorded segment as well, so folks get to listen in on the question and answer lightning round on Fridays. This, of course, is Fantasy NBA Today. I'll list that again. Dan Vespers, Aaron Bruski. If you're listening on the recorded side, come join us on YouTube. We're trying to do this very often. If you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. Much obliged. Uh, and what I've been throwing out there this week on all formats of our podcast is if you'd like to be a part of what we're doing here, and specifically if you'd like to cover a team, hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris. We can discuss. We're also continually looking for uh, the newest voices on the fantasy side, whether that's DFS or full season baseball, football, basketball, hockey, something else. That keeps popping up. Well, we got a something else that it surfaced uh, over the last couple of weeks, and you know now we we have golf coverage at Sports Ethos, and there may be F1 racing coverage at Sports Ethos in the not too distant future. So 
The sky's the limit. If you've got a passion, let us know about it. We'll see if there's a fit there. Uh, Sports Ethos on Twitter, of course, is at EthosFantasyBK. The website is just SportsEthos.com. Brew, I have a list, and the list is way too long. It's like 30 players deep. So I'm going to try to pare this thing down to the stuff I think people are discussing. And I might be totally wrong, but I just I try to see what's going on on Twitter. I try to see what everybody's got Why questions that, about. Dan? You shouldn't do that. I know that's a that's a deep and dark <laughs> rabbit hole. But TweetDeck keeps me from seeing the uh, for you column. Hey, don't you speak nicely about TweetDeck? It does just fine uh, because I don't have to see random stuff. Elon paying you, Dan? <laughs> God no. Ugh. <laughs> put a lid. He's put a lid on the growth of Twitter. That's exactly the opposite of what I want. But I don't see crap I don't want to see. So that's how I'm able to, at least to some degree, try to figure out what everybody's talking about. Or at least some people. Uh, So, Brew, I want to start with trade deadline stuff. And I know you talked about this a bit on your Wednesday show, the Brewski Breakdown, right here on our uh, Sports Ethos YouTube page. But I'm still fighting this internal battle between four names right now. Five, actually, if you can include the possibility that Toronto sells off some pieces. And I don't know what to do with my roster slots. So let's say I'm going to create a hypothetical for you, okay? So come along with me on a journey, big dog, if you will. Uh, I have one, one roster slot to stash with. Okay, I can't do two, but I have one, meaning it's fine. Like, I can I can pick one of these guys. I don't have to worry about a, a, a subsequent drop or a corresponding drop. The names that I keep going back and forth on, five of them, Zach Collins in San Antonio, uh, because Jakob Pertl very much on the trading block. Isaiah Jackson, no, no surprise there. Miles Turner's been on the trade block for two and a half years. Uh, Mark Williams in Charlotte, who gets to play two out of every three or three out of every four games before Steve Clifford's like, Nick Richards, I still remember your name and throws him in there. So Mark is on the board. I have an answer to that one, by the way, uh, the- <laughs> as, as the resident Steve Clifford expert. But go on. I, I said on Twitter yesterday that I'm just going to start figuring out what clothes Steve Clifford is wearing to the arena. And that's how I'm going to know which center is playing. You need uh, to say that with uh, Rick Carlisle. I think a little that's more applicable to him. But. Yeah, that's, that's actually possible. Is he wearing a is he wearing a wing shirt today? Is he wearing wing tips on his feet? Because that means he's playing a wing in the starting five. Uh, Chris Boucher is the Toronto name that's starting to pop up a little bit because if somebody gets moved there, there's also Precious Achua, but his uh, roto game's a little bit less friendly. And then I'm going to throw Tari Eason on the board out in Houston, mm-hmm. which again he feels like he needs more to get out of his way. But also, if you're looking at these guys from a fantasy standpoint, his stat set, Eason's, is really, really interesting. And they've put the full-on shackles on him all season long. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be done monologuing here in a minute, I promise. Isaiah Jackson, we know his fantasy game is ridiculous. Boucher has a very sort of like quietly good roto game. And then Mark Williams, we haven't even really gotten a chance to see him pop off yet. And then Collins is more of the like, well... Maybe he has the highest chance of playing more after the break, but do we even care? So those are your five guys, Brew. Who are you stashing, if any of them? And then you can pretend like maybe you have an opportunity to do stuff with the other ones. That that was my very long, like, Dungeons & Dragons level setup for this adventure you're about to go on. What do we do? 
Well, I, I want to actually play Dungeons and Dragons at least once in my life. I just want to see what it's all it. about. I haven't played it either. I'm basing it entirely off watching episodes of The Big Bang Theory, which is super not cool of me. But that's where I'm at right now, so let's roll. I, you know, I, I watched that Houston game yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we, we know. If, 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 if you didn't notice, um, Eason, man, he's he's good. Like, just flat out, he's good. Yeah, lots of like. He, he deserves the minutes. Houston is a bleep show, like on so many different levels. Like I know people are like cracking on Silas and like, do we really think Silas is in charge of everything over there? I mean, like there's all these big bets that have been made on these players, um, you know, in the backcourt, especially and watching them play. It's just, you know, it's just terrible basketball. So with all that, you kind of just got to throw that in an equation and understand that it might not work for Eason just because of all of that and that he should be playing more and his stat set and his game translates for production. And he's probably got, you know, if they ever really, truly cut him loose, it'd be like top 50 upside. Yeah. The steals, and, the blocks, the rebounds percentage is not bad for a rook. There's a lot to like there. Yeah, and 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 the, just the way he holds up on the basketball court in general. So, I would have him at the top of my list, even over Isaiah Jackson. I oh, know the reason, my. yeah, yeah, and but well, because I don't trust the Pacers at this point. I've seen too many <laughs> trade deadlines come and go where the guy that was supposed to definitely be traded doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. It was like yeah. Al Jefferson and Derek Favors one year. You know, it was like, why did you keep Al Jefferson? Like it was clear he was done, and blah blah blah, and they just did it. And you never know what's going on in these rooms, what personalities are driving the discussions. Is it owners? Is it general managers? Is who's trying to save their job and who's trying to save face and all that? So um, if, if Jackson gets 25 minutes a game, you know, that's he's going to flirt with top 50 value just if they cut him loose. That's it, you know, but you got to get Miles, Miles Turner out of there. If Miles Turner doesn't get traded, they're trying to make the playoffs and win games and you know that's going to be what they do and they'll continue doing what they're doing right now which is try to win this this rebounding battle by not participating in it they're trying to go small to get up and down the floor and that just puts them in this weird bind where they promised Jalen Smith a starting job and they've put so much into Isaiah Jackson and it's just now they share the same backup minutes and if Rick Carlo wants to play one or both of them a little bit more in a game he does, but that will be the future for them. So the risk is really high for Jackson. Eason, I feel like, is going to be at least a late-round value the rest of the way with that upside always baked into the equation. So I got Eason over Jackson. And after that, I don't know if you want me to <laughs> so, knock that out. Don't, is that a don't even bother? Like, would you even look at Mark no, Williams? I, yeah, no, I, I think what you're going to see, first of all, great on Charlotte for just sort of, getting into this position where Plumlee now has legit value around the league. I think what the free throw thing has done for him is now he can be more aggressive on offense. So it's made him a contributor plus in a way defensively. He's always going to have the same issues that a big lumbering big that, you know, has to play super drop. That's always going to be part of this thing. But if you're a contender, you know, they talk about him in Sacramento all the time, and he would be a good fit in Sacramento as far as sort of duplicating the offense and allowing continuity between first and second unit. It gives you so much flexibility to do things. And the question is, what would somebody want to pay for that? And if you're the Kings, I would think, 
the funny thing about the Kings, they spent so many time, so much time trying to get to the playoffs. You'd think they would just like roll out anything and anything to get there or to stay there. But now they're, you know, their record's so good and it's so likely that they're going to be in the playoffs. It feels like they're just like, okay, we don't have to do anything else at all. Everybody just don't breathe. We're going to go to the playoffs. We're going to have fun. Don't give, don't, don't go get any more assets. You know, it's like we did what we needed to do and we'll, we'll pick it up next year and go. I think that will work against them. Um, and I think Plumlee's asking price will be a little high, but they're going to get a first round pick for Mason Plumlee. And you have to do that if you're Charlotte, just bottom line. Like you can't let Plumlee walk on an expiring deal or say you want to be in the, the Plumlee business for the next three years. You, you got the center you drafted and Nick Richards is a good enough prospect to want to see where that goes. I think these guys play 24 minutes a piece mm. and Richards. He, oh. he kind of got the same talk about not blocking shots. Oh, He's never yeah. been a big shot blocker. So his upside's kind of, you know, top 125. Williams is the one you want. Yeah. Because he could block shots. He could do something defensively. And I think he would be the one that you could see some top 100 ball out of in, in 24 minutes. That. Yeah, I was going to ask how high do you think he could get in 24 minutes. I was really hoping you weren't going to say the word timeshare, but you didn't actually say the, the word on my list, I think. He would He's be on third. the third. And, and because there's also this idea of, well, maybe he just keeps playing better and better and better. And they did invest the high pick, and, and maybe it becomes more of like 28, 22, 28, 20, that kind of a split. And you always have the, you know, these low minute guys that get you late round value are always great to have because players get injured all the time, you know, and all of a sudden Nick Richards gets injured. They're tanking. They want to see what's up with Mark Williams. They just go, hey, now you're a 35 minute guy. You know, we're seeing in Detroit with Duran or Duran. It's working out quite nicely for us, I should add. And um, that's that's kind of what you would hope with with Williams. So I'd have him third and I'd probably have Zach Collins last. Yeah, Boucher ahead of him. Do you think yeah. anyone gets moved? Do you think Toronto sells at the deadline? They're right on the borderline. Oh, man. I think there's something weird going on up there. I think that they know that Van Vliet is sort of toast, and he's like the heart and soul of the team, and you got Siakam as the leader of that team, and OG Anunoby knows that he can be a solid number two on a team. And he probably wants to be number one. So there's a lot of guys that want to be number one. And that's the inconsistency you see from night to night. And you got Nick Nurse. I don't think he, I I go back and forth on Nurse. Like I always measure a coach, like how well are your players developing in the grand scheme of things? Like Carlisle, like how's Jalen Smith doing this year? Are we happy about Jalen Smith's production? Did you develop him into a productive basketball player that people are excited about? The answer is no. Everybody's disappointed with the guy right now. Same with Jackson. You know, um, Chris Boucher has shown improvement throughout the last two years, but then he just went through like a 10 game stretch where he played, you know, eight minutes, got a couple DNPs. And was it him? Was it Nurse? Was it both? And now, you know, if one of these guys gets traded, will, you know, Nurse play Boucher at a level that would, you know, put him back into the conversation of a possible top 75 guy? It's possible, but. I would probably rate him, like I said, fourth behind Mark Williams. What does it take and, for you? Sorry to jump in. I'm pivoting back to Eason because I, I had a follow-up hit me that I forgot to ask in the moment. What does it take, you think, for him to to crack the, the minutes count we want? Because it feels like Eric Gordon alone moving hasn't been enough so far this year. 
He needed Jabari Smith Jr. to be out, but could that be Eric Gordon and K.J. Martin as a pair that gets sent out that that clears enough? Because it, it seems like with Easton, we only really need him to get to like 24, 25 minutes. So he's not that far away from it, but Gordon alone hasn't gotten him there so far this year. I mean, those things are going to matter, but, you know, Gordon, what is he really freeing up is probably the first question there. Um, same with K.J. Martin. You know, that's that's – I would like to hope something like that, but when you watch that team, I think they're going to lean into the – Dan, you want to tell me how to pronounce Alpern Sinjin's name correctly? Sh- so, so we can just prove that I've watched the guy play. Shen Goon. Shen Goon. Okay. Because yeah. clearly I don't know how to say his name. That means I haven't ever watched him play before. I think you actually I think you actually got three players on the Raptors with goofy pronunciations. I think it's actually kind of endearing, by the way. You know, I, I'll work on the phonetics as I go here. Hooked <laughs> um, on basketball phonics. But I mean, why not lean into that at this point? Like early on in the season, you're trying, as if you're, you're Silas, you're trying to get the team to play the right way, right? So you want to value defense. So, you know, you're, you're Bruno Fernandez, you know, and and uh, whatever. I always butcher his name. Garuba? Is that Garuba? Garuba? Yeah. You're playing these guys, right? You know, if if you see your your young defensive center, you know, wander off the court because he forgot what he was doing, you go, hey, you shouldn't do that in an NBA game. We're not going to incentivize this. We're going to play these guys and teaching them to play the right way. Now you got him out there as the hub of your offense, which is probably the best thing for that team in general. Yeah, no um, doubt. They play a terrible brand of basketball, you know. Sinjin's Shingoons, pardon me. Hey! Pardon me. Shin, Shingun. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning. I'm look at me, I'm learning. Your over your here. CPU is a neural net processor after all. A learning computer. It's like an Atari at this point. Yeah. Well, I was trying um, to go for a Terminator 2 reference. Is that do, I'm sorry, I'm taking Shin, this totally off the rails. Pa, pinning in Shingun for a moment. Brew, did you ever as a young person uh use those Arnold Schwarzenegger soundboards to crank call people. We, and it was in college and we lost too much time. And we Just thought right that was like time. the peak of comedy at that moment. Yeah, it was great. Or two there. Um, yeah, we lost a little bit of time on that. Everybody to the top. All that good <laughs> My stuff. CPU is in there on that processor. Well, yours is also on there. Okay, we can. Oh, well, thank you, sir. Yeah, um, pull the pin back but, out. We can keep but going. Like, it, it just makes too much sense to make him the hub of the offense. You're you're wanting to lose games at this point if you're Houston and you get to say to the rest of the league, Oh, look at how smart we were with that draft pick. I think there's value in that for the people in the front office to say, Hey, look, we did a good thing here. And I think it even helps them on the free agency front to some degree, not a great degree, but like to just show that we're not a total train wreck here in Houston. And I think Shingun represents that for them. And they're not going to care about the defense. Like it's just, they're just going to do that. Now, how is that going to look to Jalen Green? You know, like this is a guy who's a number two overall draft pick and has all the juice in the world in that building. You see that every time he takes a floating three from 38, 30 feet away, that's totally ill-advised. And <laughs> yeah, you know, he had like nine like shot that. attempts last <laughs> night in that game. And I'm sure he's not thrilled about that. So how this works with these guards is is going to be a question. Um but I, I think they're just going to kind of roll along like they did in the last couple weeks. Like, and it's a free for all. Like, so Eason is not going to, it, it would make sense to give Eason 30 minutes a game and see what you have. But I think they're just going to roll everybody out for 24 in that sub 
you know, the sub guard bucket, you know, the, the, the two starters are going to play big minutes. Everybody else is going to just sort of get the, the bottom of the barrel scraps. I think it's going to be frustrating for Eason, even with, you know, Gordon out, Martin possibly out. And what do they get in return? I mean, that's always in these situations going to be funny because they usually try to bring in like a bad veteran contract and pump it up as veteran leadership, give that guy 25 minutes per game. And that becomes a problem. So I, I don't see it as the coast is clear for Eason in the second half of the season, which is unfortunate because I, I personally would just be, you know, blowing that out of the water, give him 30 minutes a game, let her sink or swim and, and just see what you have there. So you know how to start building. If this team is really going to build around Shingun, they need to really start looking at the things that Sacramento is dealing with. You have a big man who needs a shot blocking three point. I don't know if you saw the three pointer that Shingun shot in yesterday's game. It was what's the three point line distance? It's uh 26 uh, feet or something up top. I don't oh, know. Top the, of the, yeah, top of the circle, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it went about 19. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, but that it's going to be a bit until he shoots with any consistency. So you need that shot blocking three point shooting big man to cover up what he can't do. And you need strong wing defenders. Is Eason a strong wing defender at the NBA level at the highest levels? That's what I want to know if I'm building out my mm. team. Because then I've got those two pieces figured out and I need to figure out three more. And I, and I don't think, frankly, that Jalen Green is that piece for that team. I don't think he's going to be a good defender anytime soon. And I don't think it's likely that he becomes a good defender down the road. So that's your, that's your guy. So what's that pairing look like? I'd want to figure that out if I was Houston. Hmm. All right. I want to pivot into the next thing here. And this is my own thing, Brew. This isn't even like a hot topic on Twitter. So we probably don't have to go too deep with it. Uh, but it's DeAnthony Melton who, I, and I don't know, maybe mostly I want, I want confirmation of something that I think I've seen with Melton as a player and a human is that, number one, he's typically deferential on the basketball court to the stars around him. And number two, it seems like it takes him exactly five ball games every time they dramatically change his role to figure out how to fit in that new role. Is that what you've seen with him, too? Yeah, I mean... It's crazy. And some, of, some of that, I think, is the difficulty in being productive in low minutes or playing next to just these... Huge yeah, gravitational forces in Joel Embiid and, and James Harden. It's so that's I think some of it is that. And then yeah, you're gonna. I mean, God, man, we're talking about one of the most heaviest styles of play in the NBA for both players, really. I yeah. mean, Joel Embiid back to the basket. You know, you're just gonna dump it in there and watch and see what happens. You know, James Harden, you're gonna watch him dribble five million times between his legs, and you know the whole James Harden bit. Melton is. And it's really a unique story. I thought um, Gina Mizell, I'm probably butchering her name as well. That one, um, I don't actually know the correct pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, she's right. a, a writer um, up in Philly. Did a great um, profile on him and how he got to the league. And he got caught up in that. And I don't know a ton about this. It was like the FBI, um, uh, like getting in on the coaches with the money. And, you know, basically oh, know a couple that. of them got in trouble. And then some scholarships kind of got revoked or whatever it was. He had to sit out a year. And it really impacted a lot to his game, like his draft stock and your development, you know, it was a, just a crucial year of development for him. And so he entered the NBA a couple steps back and he was really 
you know, just I'd say the, the perseverance involved getting to where he's at and the deferential nature of his game, you know, probably comes a lot from both his natural way he plays, but also just being on the chopping block, you know, so to speak, all that time. I mean, it wasn't a guarantee he was going to stick in the NBA. Now, naturally, they saw how good he was, and and that's what happened. Um, and I, th- I think it's super interesting that they're bringing, or were bringing, because uh, it might not continue, Tyrese Maxey off the bench. Yeah, I, I think it's a super smart move. You you need that defense in your starting lineup. You need that defense as many minutes as you can get. And I always just wonder with Melton to kind of close it out on him. What would happen if he was empowered and or challenged to be the guy? That's one. And then two, what about the handles? Like, I feel like handles limit his game so much. Like, he needs somebody like Steph to, like, spend a summer with him and teach him everything he knows. Because at that point, he gets to use the athleticism and be much more effective. Because if he ever really had a consistent offensive game, I, I just think the sky would be the limit for him. But he's been a great pickup for us. As usual, you know, we're kind of us and Jonas, you know, leading that that Melton hype yeah, train. Yeah, the Jonas per 36. Shout out Melton. Jonas Nader. Shout out Jonas. Miss you, buddy. Miss you, buddy. Um, okay, well, that one was more for me than it was for everybody else. Let me get into the for everybody else part. Uh, and uh, I, the, the, it's more... It's more injury-related, honestly, than anything else because we had a lot of guys come back this week, uh, but we talked about that earlier in the week. I want to talk about a couple of guys that are out and what we've seen so far. Firstly, Memphis. They really haven't had to play without Steven Adams for more than about a game or two. Uh, He's the strongest man in the NBA. LeBron has confirmed that. He's typically unbelievably durable, but Steven Adams has a real injury right now. Game one, Xavier Tillman dealing with Demonis Sabonis. Game two, Brandon Clark high flying against the Golden State Warriors. I personally went Brandon Clark on my teams when I was forced to pick between the two. How do you set this up for Memphis going forward? Is it a game-by-game thing? Can you trust one for the duration of Adam's absence? What do you you do with the Grizzlies' front court right now? Yeah, I I actually watch a lot of the Grizzlies. Well, they're fun. (laughs) <laughs> They're fun to watch. So, I mean, and I got the, the uh, you know, the Banes and the, the uh, back in the, the Bane injury days, the Conchars and, you know, just been kind of <laughs> dialed in. I got Santi Aldama in these leagues. You know, it's like, it's fun. I like the Grizzlies. Um, they So I watched the Stephen Adams injury happen. And I thought, wow, that's actually going to leave a mark. And then I thought, this guy just plays through everything. Um, but there's a big man just fell straight on his knee. It was like watching a 300 pound object just kind of crush something. And so, yeah, naturally when the report came out, I wasn't too, too surprised. I also noticed that Xavier Tillman has been 30 pounds lighter this year, like at least maybe 40 pounds lighter. So that's an undercovered story that you typically aren't going to get much info on out of a 10th man, you know, in a small market. So I don't know if that's worth digging into or not. But <laughs> some, pro- um, but that just means these play. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to see what they can get out of him from a game to game basis, and it's going to be in the like sixteen to twenty six minute range. They're going to play Brandon Clark sort of normal minutes, you know, like say five or six extra minutes, so a minimum of about twenty minutes per game up to about ten. Now we know he can be super productive in that time. 
especially in certain matchups. Uh, the, the Warriors kind of stand out as a good matchup for him. Um, but, you know, I think you're going to see him really start to get into his own. And that was a lot of the the big projection for him this year is at some point in time, they would need to turn to him and and have him bring what he brings, which is just this unique, you know, pick and roll, you know, slipping those screens, getting up there in the vertical game and, and just being super versatile on the back end of their defense. I, I think he's going to be great. And then um, our last uh, fellow, who's our last guy? Um, I think you hit him, right? Zaire. No, Zaire. Oh, uh, right, Zaire. right. <clears throat> he, he's been bad, like super bad. I, I kind of a little shocked how bad he's been. I know the injury really didn't help him there. But they've kind of said, hey, we want to see what you can do. They've really empowered him to to be good. And some of his stuff, like he he's like single-handedly tanked the Grizzlies in that Kings game that, that went off the rails. It was these big, big moments where, you know, they had been sort of hitting the Kings with body blows and body blows. And the Kings looked like they're about to tip over. And, and then he comes in there and just jacks a bad shot out of out of rhythm and next thing you know the momentum switches and you're like wow that was the most expensive one shot i've seen in a while anyway he's not probably going to be good anytime soon i don't think i think it's going to take at least a month of him sort of banging his head against the wall to be good so i would take him out of the equation from the perspective of thinking that he's just going to come in there and wreck shop it's, it's not going to happen for a little bit until he gets his head right all right i have one more topic and then i'm going to transition us into questions because we got a truckload of them and this is you already talked a bit about daniel gafford but i kind of want to lump the wizards together into a discussion here they sent off Rui hachimura they picked up kendrick nunn in the first trade of the trade deadline season denny avdia has seen an uptick in minutes what's real what's likely to dissipate how do you like those guys as pickups now or for the rest of season What's where does Bruce stand on the whiz? I I have had a soft spot for Denny, like for a while. You know these these sort of big poppy lines just sort of jump up, and and you like the way he profiles defensively, offensively. He's kind of a connector, so I'm 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 more encouraged there. I I mean I think it's still deep league territory stuff. So you got to kind of keep that in mind. I'm not going to go over the moon there, but he does have some sort of what if upside that that would put him ahead of certain guys on this list. Now, none is terrible. I, 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 I don't, I mean, maybe he finds a, a good fit and sort of revitalizes his game. And, um, you know, that happens down the road, but everything I've seen from him and yeah, he's dealt with a lot injury wise. I, I just think that, you know, he's just not there yet, unfortunately for him. Um, Dellen's great. We love Dellen here. He's to me, like they've said to him, do what you do, which is go out there. And I've called it wrecking shop. He's, he's just going to go out there defensively, get those steals. And then everything else is so nice and nice and tight and efficient. And it feels safe. His role is it, like 25 minutes per game. It appears to be his, and I don't th- I don't know about scalability with the upside. Like, I don't think if like people get hurt, it's going to go to 30, 35 minutes per game. And they're just going to turn the ball over to him. I-, I would almost be worried about that. Like he might spend too much time on the basketball court, getting popcorn points, rebounds, assists, stats, lose some of the steals, lose some of that trademark efficiency. So I don't know about the upside there. Uh, Gafford, we covered him earlier. Um, Goodwin, if they can sign him for the rest of the year, I think, there's actually your diamond in the rough. 
Did we? Uh, did I ask you about Delon Wright? Did I throw him in the mix? Yeah, his name's up on screen. So <laughs> I didn't know if you were looking at the screen. <laughs> no, okay, were you? What are you doing over there, Dan? Uh, trying to prepare the next bunch of things. Basically, it's it's a you lot. Mean it's hard to produce a show. It's a it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, okay, let's. And I'm going to leave this on the recorded side. You guys get to come with us on this, this Q&A journey here. For those that are watching live, feel free to keep throwing stuff in the chat room. We'll get as far as we can. Uh, I'm actually going to start at the bottom here because Kelly Olinick, we got some good news on Olinick. Right as we went on air, uh, he is, is it probable? He practiced, so I guess we don't know for sure. Um, Walker Kessler is expected to remain the starter for Utah. That tells me that Malik Beasley is likely going to the bench, uh, to create room for Olenek in that front court. Um, do you do anything with this information in Utah, Brew? This is, I mean, I'm kind of taking this question, this statement and, and rolling it into a question for you. But for me, if Olenek's out there, you probably put him back on your roster, but this is Kessler replacing Vanderbilt in the starting five from pre-injury, right? Yeah, I think they, they they want to see what they got there. And I think Kessler is going to be, you know, just fine. I was on my show asking the question of which player I would prefer right now, Kessler or Rudy Gobert. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I remember that question. I mean, Kessler's younger. You know, he's I mean, he's going to he I I don't know. I don't need to answer that question today. But um, Kessler's going to be just fine. They're going to keep rolling him out there. And eventually, I think they'll even, you know, kind of get tired of having Olenek out there and just sort of let Kessler How get 28 d- minutes per game. How dare you blaspheme Kelly Olenek like that? How dare you? Uh, it just so, depends on what's going on around him, you know? If, yeah, if, if there's if, if there's nobody there, maybe he'll play, you know? So we hit on this one earlier in the show. John, it's a good question about Isaiah Jackson, but if you wheel it back, you'll you'll get into our trade deadline stash stuff. So that's been hit upon. Uh, there's a lot going on here. Um, trade, should I trade Jalen Brunson and one of the following three to get John Morant or De'Aaron Fox? Can you, uh, this is a hard one to read on air, but I'm going to do my best. So it's Jalen Brunson and filler for either jaw or Fox. Would you even consider that? I think Brunson's ranked like right alongside those dudes right now anyway. Yeah. I mean, the question I guess is like John Morant's been missing games sort of all year long periodically in a in a maintenance sense fox will push they're gonna push in sacramento so that you know if the the two in that two four four week isn't getting you down um you know that's a solid player you know to target but uh i don't know i I think brunson's just locked locked in he's pretty rock solid there that two in his playoff schedule is annoying but you gotta win the week before it and it's a four so yeah, I don't think I'm doing it either. Um, Brunson's ranked ahead of those guys in nine cat right now. Anyway, uh, Beal and they love and, him there. Yeah, this, I mean, they should. He's made them a lot better. Beal and Time Lord for Paul George. Is that a reasonable two for one? Man, that's a bucket of players right there. I think I'm doing um, it, and then just hoping Paul George doesn't miss another two weeks starting next there, week. There is there, there's some yeah. I, I mean. I think they went into this season. It sucks for fans. It sucks for us. It sucks for, you know, basketball in general, I guess that it feels like the Clippers went into the season saying they were going to start playing at the halfway point. So yeah, they look mean the last couple of ball games too. Good Lord. And, and, and they don't have that much ramp to, to try to figure out how things are going to work, especially if they make some sort of move at the deadline, you know, that's another piece to put in the puzzle. But, you know, I think they've had enough time off the Paul Georges and the, 
I mean, Kawhi, I think, is going to continue to take time off the rest of the year no matter what. But Paul George could break free of that, go bonkers. Um, Williams, is it in the cards for him? Is his knee going to be an issue for the rest of his career? Could easily be the case. Beal, I question if Beal is going to go to the mat for this team, if he should go to the mat. He's been a guy in the past that's wanted to play and play big minutes, but you know, you got a big deal and and you've got you know kind of the, the tail end of your career to worry about. So maybe he's not as, you know, into going to the mat for this Washington Wizards squad. I should let all the folks know that if you put a really complicated trade question in a live chat room window, I probably am not going to throw it up on the screen. Because we have so many questions here that they just need to be a little bit easier to handle live on air. Is either Avdia or DeLon Wright a streamable roster slot, do you think? I'd so say if Avdia, I drop maybe. one for a streamer spot is what it says. Yeah, I might consider with Avdia. Yeah, I would because yeah. he's inconsistent as all heck. I would I, streaming for Avdia would be a for sure. Yes, I don't know if I'm off the Dellen train, the, the Thomas train. Thank you for that, Dan. <laughs> with Dellen Wright, that was great. That was very. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, for us. Uh, mm. I, I mean, he might. I don't know about top sixty rest of season. I think it's going to be more like bankable top 100 for uh Dellen. so if you are reaching into your waiver wire and you can get top 75 quite regularly maybe it's a conversation at that point but i would just hang on to Dellen and and see what you got this one i'm not sure i'm following russell westbrook or allen i need some guards but i'm not sure i i i'm hearing is there an allen guard i'm forgetting because i'm thinking jared allen great grace and allen oh gr- oh oof well, you can't go Westbrook unless you're punting half of the categories. He's so. actually, yeah, well, what's funny is he's actually outperforming his ADP in in 8-cat. <laughs> <laughs> but and it's... Oh, well, it's, that's totals, I, right? I, I, he, I think I grabbed him at like 115 in a, in a big, big league. And uh, I was like, man, you know. Thinking of old Russell, Russell Westbrook, I was like, man, what if, what if, what if, what if? It's like at this at this price, I can't lose. Ugh. So, um, yeah, you know, stat sets aside, nine cat. Oh, nine cat? No, 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 no. Yeah, no. no you no, just no, have no, to go no, no, Allen and take the very low. Take Allen and then see what else comes up. Next. Is Josh Hart a drop with his current injury? Is the implication here? I kind of feel like there's a lot of inertia in Portland, one way or another, to pull him pull him back pardon me back and so yeah i would i would say he's a drop right now points league brooke lopez or jeremy grant those are their numbers on the screen to this point in the year i'll probably just stick with what we got yeah i don't see much reason i mean dame is doing all the dame stuff so there just isn't really room for growth of the guys around him nor frankly should there be because they're very good without Dame doing 60 points. Uh, Jalen Duran or Boyan Bogdanovich in a points league? I think I'm going Duran here. I mean, Boyan can Bogdanovich get is like one of the most overvalued players in the league from a reality perspective. So, you know, that factors in. And I don't know his trade situation right off the top of my head. I gotta I think like, he's getting moved, right? What's the yeah. What on earth would be the reason to keep him there? I know that they have to posture and say that they're going to, but it just seems like nonsense. So that would cut his value virtually anywhere because a guy that can't defend that, you know, needs a bunch of shots to be valuable 
yeah the, the acquiring team is probably not on board with what detroit is doing right now um so in that respect duran's the better prospect but like if they don't move him they can't move him in a points league he's probably going to outperform duran so you're essentially betting on the trade deadline here. All right, Brew, are you ready for us to crank it into lightning round mode? We're at the Let's one. Let's do it. We've had this show rolling for an hour and 10 minutes on the live side. So now we're going to start to pick up pace here because darn it, Brew is sick and also, you know, rest of the day and all that kind of stuff. So lightning round here. Um, 16 teamers. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, like this eight cat is something, but we could probably just look at it in, in sort of an overall standpoint. Among the players listed here, and I will read their names for those that are not watching live, Rui Hachimura, Nas Reed, Mark Williams, Drew Eubanks. Do any of them have a stash value if your playoffs start next week? Wow. Man, way to go head-to-head right there. Wow, that's early. Well, they're tired of having their entire season wrecked by... Yeah, true. Insert insert talking point there. Do you think um, do you think Nurk misses a couple of ball games because Eubanks would be pretty damn well, interesting. Well, I, I got Eubanks like everywhere in deep leagues because he's just this top one seventy five guy that you know that plays in these leagues, and the upside of playing behind Nurk is pretty good. So I like that. I like every name on this list over Hachimura. Like I like <laughs> yeah. Reed because I don't like the health situation for either go bear or cat so and reed's also unhealthy so you got to keep that in mind but a lot of pop to his game not all the time consistent mark williams you know we talked about him earlier so i like all three um just depends on what flavor of upside you want there uh let's see here rank these three players delon Wright, denny avdia alec burks is it that order no, you got to put Burks before Abdiya. Ah, interesting. Okay. Just the consistency of what he's all about. You know, it's generally top 120. and Fair enough. Slow-mo or Kelly Olenek going forward? Hmm. Oh, well, this, this commenter says Kelly is his only center. The other options to drop is Hayes, Clarkson, and McConnell. You could probably, I hate to say it, but you could probably drop McConnell because I think Halliburton's hoping to be back next week, right? You could. <laughs> mm. I mean, it's tough. It's a really, it's a baller move because, you know, you're essentially walking away at the right time. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, George I, mean, I, I think Anderson might be productive the rest of the way. Yeah. You know, it's the same theory behind Nas Reed is something's wrong in Minnesota. I think I might. I think I'm dropping McConnell and just hoping that Halliburton's back relatively soon. I know. Yeah, you could do that. I think that that's. I think they kind of sold everybody in the building on what he's doing, and then he will be back into the background. Yeah. You know, once Halliburton's back. Should you sell yes. on Mason Plumley? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's a yes. Then the question becomes, what can you get? And we don't really know the answer for that. We'll have to do some polling. I think. Uh, we got a rank board, Brew. We haven't one, done one of these in a while. It's a five namer: Horford. Slow mo, Olinick, Jalen Williams, Markel Fultz. This is the we got a five name rank board. We haven't done this in a bit. All right. Well, let's go um, Horford just to honor that man's consistency <laughs> the, the career. You can have some 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 old man legacy there, as well as you know you got to manage those days off. That's <laughs> that's going to come. Right. Yeah. I'll, I kind of I like sort of the order this is in. Slow mo might be my two. You know, if you want to have some fun, Jalen Williams. Over like, Olenek, him, over Fultz? 
I like Fultz a lot. I think he's just going to quietly be a late round guy and maybe improve, you know, as the season goes on. Um, Olenek, I, I would, I would probably go Williams, Fultz, and Olenek at, at, at the end there. Hmm, sad face. I know, I know. Uh, so Cole, we kind of hit on this one before. I don't want you to think that we're ignoring you here. It's a question about uh, Jalen Duran over Walker Kessler. Uh, Kessler's still going to be starting. We just found out, but frankly, like Duran needs to be on a roster too. So I, I don't know how to sort this one out for you, Cole. You got to find a way to have both those guys on your team. But Brew, who do you prefer? Kessler or Duran? I'll just give you those two young guys. I'll go. I'll go Kessler. I mean, it's just sort of rock solid that he's going to, you know, do what he's going to do. Jalen, I, I, sometimes his stat sets get empty, and uh, Kessler, I don't think we have that issue. Beautiful. Uh, let's see what do we got here. Should I drop any of the following three players for DeAnthony Melton? Boyan Bogdanovich, Walker Kessler, or Cam Johnson? Drop boy and get Melton. Yeah, I think I'm on board with that one too. Uh, dare I bring him back into the fold here? Uh, Shangun or Franz Wagner, nine cat rest of the way. I think I'm on the Shangun side. Mm. Mm. What's Wagner at in nine cat right now? Like 55? Uh, totals or per game? Let's go per game. 78. Yeah, he's giving it away too much. That might. I mean, I think I think Shingun goes sixty as sort of a baseline. I mean, you got players coming back here that's going to make his life a little bit more difficult. The steals and blocks that he's getting right now are a little bit unsustainable. He's shooting about sixty-three percent from the foul line this last month. That's the part that, like, the thing with him is if the free throw stuff doesn't get better, and I think it will, you know. That's the general trend line, but a high volume 74% shooter can really start to hurt. You know, a high volume 68% foul shooter can really start to hurt. Um, there's no question about what Franz Wagner's role is in Orlando. Um, I, th I mean, it's more fun to take Shingun and just see maybe you just get this kind of top 25 run that everybody's been hoping for. Um, I'll take the opposite side of the question. Oh. I'll go. I'll go Wagner, and <laughs> you, just, you, you guys can you can send me you your hate. You're whatever. just trolling at this point now. Uh, what? Oh well, this is. No, I'm not trolling. No, no, no. That's my that's my honest to god ass uh, assessment. There. Okay. If right. you have uh, one general fantasy question, what rank of players is potentially droppable if you want to have one streamer spot open on your roster? This, of course, is dependent. The answer to this question is dependent heavily on league size and league type. But for a 12-team, 9-cat daily head-to-head -head roster, you're kind of looking in that, like, 110 or later type of zone. Uh, but then you, you know, you adjust from that based on, on league type and size. Unfortunately, we can't really do this one on a lightning round. So I hope that gets the party started on that one. Best guess as to whether Miles Turner gets traded. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, so I don't want to circle back. But again, I want to try to put everybody's question up there so you guys don't think I'm skipping you for any reason. Migo says, hey, Uncle Dan. Oh, okay, that's kind of nice. I dropped Quentin Grimes uh, for a streaming spot. Is that okay? I'm fine with that, Brew. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm, I'm actually pretty impressed with Grimes. You know, He's been so consistent and, you know, Hat tip to him. 
Tillman or Clark today. Memphis is in Minnesota, so they might have Rudy Gobert to deal with. I don't know if that changes the way you look at it. I'm probably still going Clark, but what do you think? Mm. It's Clark. Yeah, Clark. Yeah, it's tighter though with a with a big dude at center on the it, other it, side, but it is. But yeah, Ru- but Rudy doesn't score, so that's kind of the thing yeah, for me. Like the- they don't. You know, it's more about the rebound. Uh, Jalen Williams or Markel Fultz today, a single game sample size. Who we got on the schedule? OKC is dealing with Cleveland, one of the better defenses in the NBA. And uh... Cleveland played so terribly yesterday. Like it was Darius Garland's birthday. And it felt like they really saw the sights in Houston. <laughs> and Orlando is in Miami. Like so both J- Jared teams. Allen. Jared Allen looked like he just was going to, I said this somewhere, he's like he's going to take a nap on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Well, they. I mean, that's the thing. Like, once you know which teams are tanking, you can kind of grade it yeah, out accordingly. Exactly. They are in a back-to-back. Like, they're like, okay, this isn't yeah. the game we care about, and they still won by yeah. 30 or whatever. By the way, Orlando's got Miami. So both teams are dealing with better-than-average defenses. Go Fultz in this one. I think Miami might shut him down. Uh, let's see here. Well, but 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 they're quietly winning, by the way. Steven Vitovich, Dirty Steve. He says he declined Rudy Gobert for Kessler in a dynasty league. So there you go. <laughs> Felt weird, but right. It's it it is. I mean, and and that whole trade is just <laughs> like, which line. player would you want going forward? I want Kessler. Like, are you are you looking at the screen, bro? I'm 100% on board with this one. Dan Devine says now he needs to pronounce every player's name wrong. I think this needs oh, to be a bit. Great. Let's make I, it a bit. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll just lean into that thing. Uh, and, and you know, clearly that means I haven't watched the player play, like, ever. Well, you walk, You can watch games without the play-by-play announcer on. For a lot of teams, that's, that might actually be. That's a pro be, move. That's a pro move right there. Might actually be more enjoyable for some of these broadcasts. Not all of them. There are a number of them that I like quite a lot, but there are some that are... Ugh. depends on how homery they are yeah that's really what it comes down to oh no i think my younger child is trying to open the bedroom door this could get interesting in a hurry uh what is your stance on waiting on jonathan isaac versus going with someone more predictable like melton olenic right heart faults uh let's assume that you can stash isaac just fine you answer this question while i close and lock the door <laughs> the look of fear on dan's face as this was all happening was Great. I, I think um, it's going to be tough for Isaac because of the games off. So if you can manage that, the, the that rises this conversation, the threshold of dealing with it. If you can't deal with that, there's too low of minutes that are going to, you know, he's going to get too low of minutes that, you know, dealing with games off and the, the, what about the five players in the big man rotation? There's a lot of challenges for Isaac, but if you can manage those days off somehow, I like, a lot of the names on this list. I don't like Hart. Um, Fultz might not be interesting enough if if Isaac can, you know, be managed on your your roster. Uh, right, I probably would go right over Isaac, and I would go Melton over Isaac because I think Melton's just going to cruise along at a top ninety to one hundred level, and you've seen what he's been able to do when there's guys out, and so on and so forth. I think that you know translates really well to value. So. Isaac's a tough one. And you know what? He might not have any value. You know, it, it could be the case that they just cap him at 16 minutes this year until, you know, three weeks, four weeks to go in the season. And then they cut him loose, which would be like 20 minutes or something. Yep. I got him in a keeper league. That's about as far as I want to go. And, and you know, Roto Games cap, you can just pin him somewhere to the bench. Would you drop Jabari Smith Jr. for D'Anthony Melton? 
Man, it's been a rough go for Jabari, but you know Dan's been on top of this. Um, and and I, I went a little heavy on Jabari this year, and it's not been great. And um, but like Dan's been mentioning on Twitter, is the the rookies, you know, they start to click in around this time of year. So it could be good for him, but man, that team is a dumpster fire. Like the idea of him getting consistent offense on that team, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So I would drop Jabari for Melton. Yeah, same. Would you drop Al Horford for Avdia Gafford or Jabari Parker? No, I don't I don't think that's who we met on the Jabari. I'm assuming we're talking Jabari Smith also. Uh, I'm a no on this one. I'm keeping Big Al. Oh, yeah. Keep Big Al. Should I stream Chris Duarte? <laughs> you should be pulling slots at the slot machine. <laughs> yeah. Um... No, I mean, like it's it it sucks for him. I think. I mean, he's stuck in this sort of weird situation. He was really good last year, and then you know he gets no love this year because of roster math, basically. Yeah, and then yeah, he's also like a twenty-seven years old as a second-year or a third-year player or whatever it is there. Um, would you drop Tobias Harris or Brooke Lopez for Cam Johnson and Jalen Duran in a points league? Man, this is where points leagues like this stuff just right over my head because Tobias and Brooke are like top 40 and top 30 respectively yeah, this I year. I don't know what the scoring is on this thing, but yeah. like Cam Johnson, I could see why Cam Johnson would be better than Tobias in a points league. And Tobias has had some rough games lately. Um, yeah, it's hard to know without the without the scoring settings. In my mind, the two guys that you're thinking about dropping should be kind of way out in front, but it's possible that they're not if different categories are weighted in a different way. Uh Cam, I'm sorry, we I don't know that we can I don't know that we can accurately answer this question without uh seeing what those guys are doing right now. And I think Brew, uh, I'm going to take us into final thoughts here, and I want to get a couple from you as well. But uh, my final thought on this reunion here is, number one, it's good to be back, man. Dan and Brew reunited on Fun Shirt Friday. We're going to be doing this weekly, which is awesome. Uh, and also, I want to remind everybody to please like and subscribe, because there's actually a lot of you watching right now. That number's been kind of slowly ticking up throughout the morning and afternoon. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to hit that like button, it actually does help. Hit the thumbs up. People, It allows people to kind of find the show easier. All those little things do snowball. And then with every new subscriber, more people are finding the show. And it's and again, it's this snowball effect. So please do uh, do that for us. And to those on the recorded podcast side, I will bid farewell to you in a moment. But first, Brew, uh, feel better, I guess. But also, what are your thoughts headed into the weekend? Uh, thoughts headed into the weekend. Uh, we're, we're getting into that nitty gritty part of the season. So we're going to be looking at trade deadline. We're going to be looking at all-star break. Um, it's funny how fast it goes on the other side of this all-star break. You know, it feels like we have so much season left and then we get on the other side of that thing and you're into tank land and rest management, all that stuff. And everything just starts to move really, really quick. So kind of just know that as you're going through this stuff. Um, personally, it's great to be back. It's great to be doing content. It, it's been such a long journey. It's I, I'm so grateful for the people around sports ethos. Again, you know, the people here at ethos are so great. Um, you know, everybody's been so supportive and it's just been an awesome experience other than the pain and the suffering and all of that, that went through, <laughs> yeah, you know, my, my veins like... and arms and neck and all of that over the last uh, few years. But I think, you know, all this stuff kind of happens for a reason. It's made me a better person. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 
happy where I'm at right now. Happy to be back doing this content. I will answer that one last question I see on the uh, chat list. Yeah. Fox or Jamal Murray, rest of season nine cat. Go De'Aaron Fox. Also, I think Fox has a, a much better case for All-Star than Zamata Sabonis. So, you know, we'll just put that out into the, the Twitter sphere. Um, Fox in the fourth quarter has been nasty, man. I know that's not a fantasy thing, but geez. I, I have not seen anything like it. In a, he's Mariano Rivera level he's, closing. He's, he's like... He's almost so his camp is listening. His camp is listening as they often do. <laughs> what a season, man. Like, and, and he's playing on defense. There's problems, there's issues, blah, blah, blah. But like the, the difference there is sort of night and day. And, you know, you kind of wish that he had done that sooner, but you know, better late than never. And, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just excited to do this show and, uh, We're excited back. to continue to, you know, build this thing here at ethos where we're, we're really trying to do something special here and stand for something, you know, sort of in a, in a sea of used car salesmen and whatnot. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we've come to the end of this epic live and recorded pod. I hope you guys enjoyed the reunion. Dan and brew will be back together again next Friday. If you're looking for additional shows, whatever format you might be listening on, our next show will be Sunday evening. Eric Ong has the Waiver Wire show. That's a YouTube program. I'll be back on Monday morning with the reverse chronological lightning round of the weekend recap. That'll be recorded and on YouTube. And then the wonderful Joe Orico and Steven Vidovich will have the weekly lineup show. That's coming on Monday afternoon. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll do a little weekend preview over on social media. At Dan Vespers, at Aaron Bruski. We'll see you guys over there. So long. <laughs>